0: You're listening to the LMC Radio Network Broadcasting out of Forestville, California On the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com
1: Give me a go, no, go for launch Booster Go Retro Go Vital We're go flight Guidance Guidance, go Surgeon Go flight Ecom We're go flight GNC We're go Tell me Go Control Go flight Procedures. Go. INCO. Go. FAO. We are Go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're Go Flight. Launch Control, this is Houston. We are Go for Launch.
2: at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California and online at luckymojo.com So now, without further ado here's Professor Porterfield
3: Good evening to One and all, I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business.
4: Welcome once again to the Now You Know show. So happy to have you each and everyone with us here, whether you're listening live with us right now or you'll be listening to us in future in the archives. Well, what a week, what a week we have had, actually two weeks since we were here live. We had a little something that we had to do here last week, and so we, you know, we put on the, you know, previous episode and hope that you all enjoyed having a wonderful, you know, what what I like to call uh, the Now You Know Show Classics, the Now You Know Show Classics. So we had one of those last week. Let me tell you something. To all of those of you out there who may be uh, root workers or spiritual workers or are planning to be or are studying to be, let me give you a quick little piece of advice. Don't live in Texas when you have a lot of candle work to do. I have had... uh, Conjure lamps and candles burning uh, and little pots of this and little pots of that burning in my workspace today, and the room is about eight hundred million degrees I mean we're talking some serious BTUs here because I live in Texas, so it's already oh my God, is it really that temperature temperature outside and then inside I uh, you know obviously hey <laughs> into August let's light 60 or 70 candles and a couple of lamps what's the worst that can happen so I'm I'm, I'm running a sauna right now that's what I'm going to do folks you heard it first right here on the now you know show I'm going to retire from conjure work and just open a a conjure sauna and you'll be able to bring your spiritual problems and needs to me and uh, strip off and put on a towel and get a cigar and go and sit in the steam until all those problems are sweated out of you. Other than that, (laughs) not much else has been going on around here. However, this week, before we go to the news, we do have a special live report from our own Phil Patchy Fogg. He and the LMC News team have been... Uh, engaging in some uh, investigative uh, journalism, and so we're going to turn you over to that report from Phil Apache Fogg, and then the news. Take it away, Phil. Good evening, ladies and
3: gentlemen. This is Philip Fogg reporting, and today I have a breaking bit of news for you that the LMC radio news desk has been investigating. We call this report Alpacas Are You. It has come to the attention of this reporter recently that in certain local vicinities here in and around Denton County, a series of disingenuous, dishonest, and out right, unprofessional selling of supposed, quote, giant sheep has been happening. These supposedly genetically modified and bred giant sheep have been seen for sale at local stockyards and through private concerns in and around Denton County and in our small communities. However, This reporter, after diligent research, has found that these are, in fact, not. uh, These are not sheep, ladies and gentlemen. They are sheep of no kind whatsoever. They are, in fact, alpacas. Alpacas, which this reporter has discovered have been disguised as sheep. These, ladies and gentlemen, are alpacas, alpacas, In sheep's clothing. And these fraudulent sheep have been sold to honest and hard working ranchers and families throughout our community. This reporter wonders why the Denton County Co op, as well as the Denton comptroller, as well as the Texas Agricultural Board has not yet launched into an investigation of these thinly disguised alpacas. And this reporter cannot help but wonder if perhaps, as we have seen so often in the agricultural and ranching concerns in this part of Texas, if there has not been money passed beneath the table, at the highest of levels. We want you to be on the lookout for these. Please remember, sheep do not come up to roughly five hands high. Sheep do not have a long, extended neck. These alpacas can be revealed quite easily by simply pulling off the knitted sheep costumes that have been put on them. And please do not be in any way fooled by the fact that these sheep costumes have in fact been knitted out of 100% wool to close our report on this matter this reporter would like to say that he awaits breath for a report from the concerned civic centers involved in the protection of agricultural and ranching concerns in this part of Texas on this matter very soon and hopes to see it resolved. Thank you. In the news, today is Thursday, August 25th, the 238th day of 2016. There are 28 days until autumn begins and 128 days left in the year. The 26th and 27th will be auspicious days to can fruits and vegetables, mow to slow growth, brew beer, and get married. The 26th through the 28th are good days to plant seed beds and flower gardens. They are also excellent days for transplanting and favorable days for planting beets, onions, turnips, and other root crops. 26th and the 27th will also be excellent days for morning fishing today's highlight in history comes to us from august 25th 1916 when president woodrow wilson signed an act establishing the national park service within the department of the interior thank you president wilson also on this date in 1718 hundreds of french colonists arrived in louisiana with some settling in present-day New Orleans. In 1825, Uruguay declared independence from Brazil. In 1921, the United States signed a peace treaty with Germany. In 1944, during World War II, Paris was liberated by Allied forces after four years of Nazi occupation, and Romania declared war on its former ally, Germany. In 1958, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed a measure providing pensions for former U.S. presidents and their widows. In 1975, the Bruce Springsteen album Born to Run was released by Columbia Records. In 1981, the U.S. spacecraft Voyager 2 came within 63,000 miles of Saturn's cloud cover, sending back pictures of and data about the ring planet. And finally in 1989, Voyager 2 made its closest approach to Neptune, its final planetary target. LMC birthday greetings go out today to game show host Monty Hall, who is 95. Actor Sean Connery is 86. Regis Philbin is 85. Actor Tom Skerritt is 83. Director Hugh Hudson is 80. Author Frederick Forsythe, 78. Rhythm and blues singer Walter Williams of the OJs is 73. Rock singer and actor Gene Simmons of Kiss is 67. Rock singer Elvis Costello, 62. And movie director Tim Burton, 58. Our thought for the day. Comes from Konrad Adenauer, German statesman, born 1876, died 1967, who said, History is the sum total of things that could have been avoided. This has been the news and special report from the LMC radio news desk with Philip Fogg reporting. And we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the lucky number.
1: lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky number. hoping that those lucky numbers, yeah. will show for me, Number on show for you and me, superstitions, or even make me suspicious, table with thirteen dishes, will make me, please. make you please. That's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, all right, yeah. Put my truck in go or duck. Cause you know some days may bring you a seven. or oh, maybe a lucky 11. Oh, that's easy heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah!
2: Oh, yes, and you need
4: not just trust in Gooferdust like the Nicholas Brothers because we have the lucky numbers and cards for you here each and every week. As always, this week's lucky numbers are brought to you by ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by and take a look? And they are 16, 21, 26, 32, 46, and 50. Once again, they are 16, 21, 26, 32, 46, and 50. I must advise you, however, that this is an inauspicious week for betting. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 126. That's 126. 434. That's 434 and 505, that's 505, and I must say of those three numbers right now, probably the hottest of the three is 434. The card of this week is the five of hearts. An arbor of roses, growth of love, happiness, and contentment. This is a week to work at what you love, aid those who you love seek out that new person to love and appreciate the love you have and the love you give in all matters. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then, Good luck to you all. From the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, it's our own Miss Loretta Evans
1: with Cooking with Miss Loretta. Sweet Loretta Martin thought she was a woman, but she was another thing. All the girls around me say she's got it coming, but she gets it while she
5: to be here with you again. And oh Lord, it is so hot here right now. And so I thought I would bring you a simple little thing that does not require too much time in the uh, kitchen that you can kind of do very quickly. And if you're from the South, you've probably either had this or heard of this before. And if not, it's going to be a real surprise for you. This is my recipe for kilt, or as most people say, kilt, lettuce. So this is kilt, lettuce, and onions. The prep time on this is 10 minutes to cook, 10 minutes for it to get ready. So a total time of 20 minutes. And the ingredients for this are very, very simple. You will need four slices of bacon, four green onions, chopped, and one head of leaf lettuce, rinsed, dried, and torn into bite-sized pieces. And I must tell you, you're really going to want to dry this lettuce, okay? Don't leave it wet. That will cause a problem later on. The directions for this are very simple. Place the bacon in a large, deep skillet and cook over medium-high heat turning occasionally until evenly browned and crisp. 10 minutes. And then place the bacon slices aside on a paper towel lined plate. Add the chopped green onions to the bacon grease and cook and stir for about a minute or until the onions reach your desired tenderness. Then pour the onions and hot bacon grease over the lettuce, and toss lightly. Crumble the bacon, and add it to the lettuce, and then serve immediately with pinto beans, or cornbread, or something like that that you like, and it's a very quick sort of thing. It has the freshness of a nice little salad, but it also has a little bit of warmth of a cooked meal, and you can just have it with beans and bread, and That's it. That is Killed Lettuce, and it's served all throughout the South, and I hope you enjoy it. And the guys tell me that they'll be posting up the uh, instructions into the web page, into the chat room. Excuse me, I'm a little flustered today. Um, And finally, uh, before I go, I have something I want to say. And uh, oh, Lord, I'm so embarrassed But I promised myself I was going to say this. So, okay, fans. I have to tell you that as of tonight, um, I am Miss Loretta Evans engaged. And in about six months, I will no longer be Miss Loretta Evans. And I just, (laughs) oh, Lord. I never thought I'd do this at this point in my life again, but uh, what the hell? Let's take another roll at the dice. And I want to say hi to Alfred, um, who you all know better. is Count Goulash, and I love you, honey. And so now we take you back to Professor Porterfield for the pontification. Oh, Lord. Wow. Holy
4: smokes. We you heard it live, folks, right here, right, we're gonna, well, what, ho, oh. maybe we'll, maybe maybe they'll let us record it, I don't know,
1: wow,
4: okay, well, mazel tov, mazel, tov, mazel tov to to our own Miss Loretta Evans and to... To Alfred, to our own Count Goulash. Uh, so I guess she's going to be Countess Loretta now. Uh, <laughs> what a what a treat! Professor's pontification. This week's subject is. Let us now mourn the death of Hoodoo, or you can lead a worker. <laughs> you can lead a worker to knowledge but you can't make him write it down. Trust me, it's a matter of history.
1: Don't know much about history Don't know much biology Don't know much about a science book Don't know much about the French I took But I do know that I love Trigger on the tree Don't know much about algebra Don't know what a slide rule is for But I do know what it was is two. And if this one could be with you What a wonderful world this would be Now I don't claim to be an A student But I'm trying to be For maybe by being an a student baby I can win your love for me Don't know much about history Don't know much biology Don't know much about a science book Don't know much about the French I took But I do know that I love you And I know that If if you love the world is working. la, 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 la. History. Oh, yes,
4: and that was, of course, Sam Cook with What a Wonderful World. And the Name It and Claim It prize on that one goes out to the Dream Team of Catherine and Nagashiva Ironwood. And in fact, uh, that means that they get the corner piece of uh of the of the of of a brownie, you know, out of the brownie pan because it's got the two nice crisp sides on it, uh, and we uh, salute you that you got that. Bravo! In fact, folks, uh, Miss Catherine Ironwood uh, even gave us the very uh, rarely seen Polish uh, name of it, the wajat. Wajat, a wonderful word it would be. Most people don't know that that is in fact the Polish. This week's pontification, let us now mourn the death of hoodoo. I have to tell you that in my time as a practitioner and in my study of hoodoo, both speaking to older practitioners as well as reading the writings and the memories, and the thoughts of older practitioners, that hoodoo is apparently in a constant state of dying. Now, how something can be dying for 100-plus years and still be kicking along fine is, quite frankly, beyond me. But you hear it all the time. In fact, if you have not heard it, I would be shocked. I hear this on a regular basis. I have heard it this year. I heard it last year. I heard it five years ago. It was going on four years before that. This has been going on and on and on. And I guarantee you they'll be saying it next year and the year after that. They'll be saying it in 2020. They'll be saying it in 2025. And what it goes is it goes something like this. Well, you know, but hoodoo's dying. Really? Huh and this as far as i can make out is a cyclical death uh this is you know this is a, a cycle of death and renewal constantly in fact i would if if you are a, a wiccan if you are a practitioner of of the wiccan branch of witchcraft or you are a practitioner of the celtic branch of witchcraft I would encourage you to come and immediately join us and, and start learning hoodoo because, wow, we have got this cyclical death thing down. Say what you will about sun kings, holly kings, oak kings, etc. Nobody has got, you know, pound for pound, round for round, more experience in dying and coming back than a hoodoo. This is this is this is flawless, man. I mean, you know, three days in a in a rocky tomb is nothing compared to what we've got, baby. Because apparently, or at least so I'm led to understand, is hoodoo is dying, always, every day of the week. And what does it mean? Well, it means a couple of serious things, and it means a couple of foolish things. Let's talk seriously for a moment. What it seriously means is uh, practitioners are dying. The older folks die, and with them goes knowledge that cannot be recaptured because it's not necessarily, quote, standardized personal knowledge. And it's the personal knowledge of workers who have worked for decades upon decades upon decades. I'm not talking about, you know, they died with five years experience under their belt. I'm talking about they died with 50 years of experience under their belt. And that is a profound loss. The other serious thing it means is you can't get that anymore. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. Uh, It can be an oil. It can be a style or type of candle. Now, what do I mean by style or type? Well, I mean it can be a particular kind of figural candle that's just no longer available because nobody makes it. Nobody's got the molds or the molds ran out. You may not know this. Let me clue you in quickly. A lot of the figural candles that you get until very, very recently were in no way made with modern-day silicon molds. Modern-day silicon candle molds do not lose their definition. You can pour candle after candle after candle in them. Sure, eventually they'll wear out because everything wears out, but we're talking about, again, decades. No, no, no. The older-style candles, figural candles, their molds would decrease over time. Okay, Malformation, folks, malformation. And so slowly used to be this really sharp, candle of, let's say, the Eve candle, the naked woman candle, okay, that was so sharp back in the day, you could see everything, you know, you could see her belly button, you could see all the definition of how her body joined, and all of that is now getting to be a soft blur, a blob, if you will. Why is this? Well, the master molds are gone. They're gone. They're gone. So how do you make that candle? Well, you do one of two things. You have a skilled artisan create a new mold. How does the new mold get created? Well, you have to sculpt. You have to sculpt a new naked standing woman and then cast a mold off of her. Okay? Most people don't do this. What happens is a mold gets made off of a current candle. Except that candle's already started to get malformed, started to get blurry, started to get blobby. So that means your mold is blurry and blobby. And it goes on and on and on. And there will come a time, ladies and gentlemen, and I kid you not, when that won't be available anymore. It will go away. It will just go away. Until someone actually pays an artist to again sculpt that figure and then Make a new mold, hopefully out of a new silicon mold or some other material that will not degenerate as quickly. That's the way that is. There are other, quote, figural candles that you can't get anymore because they're just not very popular, meaning uh, this is where the two meet. The old worker dies and takes the knowledge with them. How does that affect product? That affects product because you just don't see many black cat candles anymore. I'm sure you can still find some, but they have become more rarefied. The the mummy, there used to be mummy candle. Mummy candle goes away, okay? Because people stop working with them. If you were to go into an average room of average workers and uh, who do workers, and say, "What do you use a mummy candle for?" Not many people would know. I'm not saying none of them, but I'm saying you know, not everyone in the room would turn. And say, oh, a mummy candle. Well, duh, you use this for a mummy candle. Blah, 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 blah. Whereas if you walked in and you said, what do you use this penis candle for? Everybody in the room's going to go, well, there are a number of things. All right. So the second thing this means is you can't get that anymore. Fill in the blank. They don't make that anymore. Now, they don't make that anymore means two things. It means, A, literally, the people that made it don't make it anymore. For whatever reason It became cost prohibitive. You couldn't get the particular scent Or the particular ingredients easily Or in an economic manner <clears throat> The other thing it means is They're gone You hear this all the time They don't make that anymore But what they also mean is They're gone That company is gone See it's very very popular to talk a bunch of shit about Conjure producers, okay, the people who actually make products. And it's almost a vicious conversation. So-and-so hates this company. So-and-so hates that company. So-and-so won't touch this, won't touch that, etc., cetera, et cetera, et cetera, except when they go away, all of a sudden, there's a huge vacuum. And I've talked about this on the show before. No one is expected to be a worker that makes fucking everything. It's outrageous, okay? First of all, if you were a worker and you made everything for yourself, I doubt you would have much time to do work because you're actually going to be doing a separate piece of work. You're going to be blending oils, making perfumes, pouring and casting candles, blending up herb mixes, The list goes on and on, and making charms and talismans. That's it. You're not going to have time to do any work. You're a manufacturer of goods. That's why we need them, okay? It may be all well and good to decry the fact that the quality level of modern-day furniture is not that of Ethan Allen, but the fact of the matter is most people do not have the setup to make furniture at that level, and if they did they wouldn't have a blacksmith out back forging their nails for them, okay? They would not be chasing down aging horses to render to make their wood glue, okay? They would just be working on the wood. They're certainly not going to be formulating and compounding their own varnishes or paints. No business works like that. And neither does hoodoo. No practice works like that, and neither does hoodoo. This is not the Renaissance. I'm sorry. I hate to be the one to break that to you, but you can write it down that I have now told you, as of tonight, this is not the Renaissance. As a painter, you're probably not going to be mixing and blending all of your paints from dry pigments. Some people do. Most people don't. So that's the other thing that's meant by that. And those are very serious concerns that the older workers and the older people of knowledge die and take that knowledge with them, and that the suppliers of goods themselves stop making certain supplies or themselves go out of business and disappear. All right? So those are serious concerns. Now, then there are some foolish statements about it's
5: dying,
4: okay? The number one foolish Statement about its dying is in fact completely misspoken. What is meant to be said is it's changing. Now, note that I use the word change. It's not that it's being malformed, it's not that it's becoming something that it's not, okay, which we do have those problems. We do have a problem with malformation, we do have a problem with cultural appropriation, and we do have a problem with people calling something hoodoo that's not hoodoo the hell at all. But that's not what this person means when they say it's dying. What they mean is it's not what they think hoodoo should be. And inevitably you'll hear them bring up their number one most hated object in the whole wide world, which is a computer and the internet. Absolutely despise them. Now I find it somewhat humorous. And more than a little ironic that often (laughs) the people saying that are saying that on a computer. Let me just walk you down that road for a minute because I really want to spend a couple of seconds here. There are people sitting in front of a keyboard. Some of these keyboards are wireless keyboards, okay, tip-tapping away at keys that send signals to a little Metal box that interprets those signals via a program and translates those signals into characters in whatever language they have their computer set for – English, Azerbaijani, acrylic, Hebrew, I don't care – to talk about Hoodoo and Conjure, specifically to say that Hoodoo and Conjure are dying, are being killed, are screwed because – of computers and the internet. And they're expressing those thoughts via a computer on places that exist solely on the internet. They're not writing a long letter to somebody. It's not an email, pal, okay? It's, it's, it, what, oh, I mean, it, it, it. I understand that Donald Trump is running for president, but has this entire country got no sense of irony anymore? Okay, Do we need to burn down a lot of firemen's houses to just kind of retrain everybody in that or something? I mean, this is ridiculous. What they mean by it's dying is they mean it's not what they think it should be. And inevitably, this is about a computer, this is about the internet, or any other quote, new device. A cell phone, This, that, and the other thing. They're decrying the fact that people get readings over the phone. They're decrying the fact that, you know, uh, spiritual baths are taking place not in galvanized tubs, you know, whatever. And these people feel no shame whatsoever of being basically hoodoo Luddites, okay? Now, these same people will turn around and bitch about this on the Internet, and these same people will order goods off of the Internet to be delivered to them by vast multinational corporations that fly things across the country on jet airplanes,
5: but, you know,
4: it's dying. So that's the first foolish statement about hoodoo dying. In fact, it's one of the biggest ones. The next foolish statement about hoodoo dying is that there are people that they don't like or groups of people that they don't like who now know about hoodoo. Again, I'm not saying that those groups of people are doing hoodoo incorrectly. That is a serious problem. That involves, again, cultural appropriation, malformation, and a whole host of other nasty Asians. No, 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 no. These people are saying simply that there's a group of people who have now entered into hoodoo And they don't belong in hoodoo. Tagged on anyone. Again, with no sense of irony, some people will actually fucking complain that there are too many black people, too many African Americans involved in hoodoo. Well, right about now is when the irony meter breaks. Okay, you just can't get a higher output on the irony meter, and we've set one up here in the studio It's an antique irony meter um, uh, from the 50s, and it was originally used on You Bet Your Life with Groucho Marx. It's still got a lot of life in it, and and we broke it when we said that in front of it. So there you go. That's the first one. The next is white people, Caucasian people, Asians, Latinos, you you name it, you name it, Vietnamese, Croatians, Serbs, just anybody, anybody that they don't like. They don't like that group of people, and now if that group of people is starting to do hoodoo, that's killing hoodoo. So again, hoodoo is dying. So here we are. Let us sit on the floor and tell sad stories about hoodoo, the death of hoodoo. Let us mourn. Let us sit Shiva for hoodoo. We'll cover the mirrors, okay, and we won't wash, and we won't comb our hair. Um, Here's the problem, and I want to be very clear, and I want to be very sensitive and very delicate about the statement that I'm about to make. The problem with this is that it is, in fact, horse horseshit. It's, it's 10 pounds of hogwash in a five-pound bag. It is actually ridiculous.
5: Hoodoo is not dying. Okay? Hoodoo is
4: well but the heyday. Let me tell you. You can talk to any set of hoodoo practitioners or people ancillarily involved in hoodoo, particularly a lot of college or collegiate scholars who have taken it upon themselves to tell you what hoodoo is and isn't as experts. I'm thinking of one particular in person. Some of you know who I'm thinking of who will – tell you their favorite time period that was the heyday of hoodoo and you hear it repeated again and again and again even my own dear reverend harry hyatt says it he says oh well i started too late i missed the heyday of hoodoo then somebody else says well the heyday of hoodoo was exactly when hyatt was out there you know It was definitely during the 30s. Somebody else says, no, it was the 40s. Somebody else says, no, it was the 50s. Somebody else says, no, it was when everybody was still enslaved like chattel on the plantation. That was the heyday of hoodoo. Now, I would love for someone to explain that one to me uh, without coming off as an asshole, but it hasn't happened yet. Somebody says, before emancipation. Somebody says, after emancipation. Somebody says, during the Great Migration. Everybody's got. I know people that tell you that, oh, the 1970s, that was the heyday of hoodoo, gone forever. That was it. 75, 76, that was when we realized it was going to die and it was dead. Then someone else says, oh, no, you know, uh, only when, as an example of one person who has helped preserve hoodoo, of many, oh, well, when Catherine Ironwood put up her website, that was the heyday of hoodoo, but now that website's X number of years old, hoodoo's dying, blah, 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 blah. Everybody has their little moment that was the heyday of hoodoo. And here's the thing about it. They are all wrong and they are all correct. Because what they're doing is they're picking out certain elements that call to them as an individual worker as an individual scholar, as an individual person. Things that have to do with culture, that have to do with item, that have to do with product or the lack of, that have to do with society, that have to do with family, that have to do with all sorts of different things, that for them makes that feel like that was the heyday of hoodoo. I myself feel that I live in the post- Heyday of hoodoo. Me! Once again, here's the irony scale moving. Me, who's telling you this, I feel like, well, the heyday of hoodoo was whenever. Because there are certain things that I love, and they're no longer around, and so that must have been the heyday. But that's what everybody's doing. So everyone that says that is correct and is dead wrong. Both of the same, you know, same thing, all right? What I've generally found is this. There is a simple formula. The simple formula is often that the heyday of hoodoo always just outside of the time period in which an individual became exposed to and began practicing and learning hoodoo. That's that's when the heyday was. In other words, everyone always feels they've missed it. Very few people. Very few, there are a handful, there are a handful, but very few people say, I lived through the heyday, and now I've seen the decline. So this is a kind of enforced nostalgia. This pontification was also called, you can lead a worker, okay, uh, to knowledge, but you can't make him write it down. This is the other part that I want to talk about this. Who do does die slowly in little increments, and it dies at a very personal level. It does not die as a system. It does not die as a culture. Trust me, it does not die as a culture. Last time I checked, There were still people singing the blues, and when I went to go listen to them sing the blues, they were still singing about black cat bones and mojo bags and all that other shit. Okay, It does not die as a language. It does not die as an experience. It dies as an individual. It dies as a person. When people die, they take that knowledge with them. And again, we're not just talking about the broad knowledge. We're talking about the specific and the idiosyncratic knowledge, the personal knowledge that they developed. The rest of it is not dying. It's changing. Well, nobody says this anymore. No, because they say that. Okay. Listen, I understand the sensation. I really do. I, I really do understand the sensation. I cannot tell you how many of the analog kids that I have as clients that I have to explain what I mean by working with the clock, because you know I just say, well, when the hands of the clock are rising, you do this, and when the hands of the clock are, you know, going down, you do that, and they don't understand me because they're analog kids that doesn't mean they don't know how to read a clock it means that a non-analog clock is such a rarity in their life that it doesn't immediately make sense to them these aren't stupid people these are just people that don't have that experience we have moved away as a culture from a lot of the things that are integral to hoodoo man there are people that you know there there are people that uh yeah, Catherine and I were is correct. I'm misspeaking. It's the digital kids. Uh, there are people that don't know how to thread a needle because they don't need to. Okay, So then you tell them to thread a needle to do a piece of work, and where do they go? It's easy for those of us who grew up and came up in another time and in another place to see those people as just being dead stupid. Like, you're an idiot. You can't thread a needle. But this is a person who's never held a needle in their thread, in their hand. They've never held thread in their hand. They have no clue, okay? I'm sure they know how to do things that I have no clue about. So that's part of our job, is to teach these seemingly common skills. A, because they should be kept alive, okay, because specialization is for plants and insects, not people, and – Because it's a part of our practice. However, hoodoo does die individually, personally, one person at a time, because the work doesn't get set down. There are a number of reasons. Um, Some of it is cultural. Some of it is that uh, with the change we have had in the American Protestant Church, people don't want to talk about it because they know they're going to get a lot of flack. Some of it is a lack of interest from a younger generation. Uh, The list goes on and on and on and on. But I am going to offer you this very evening an opportunity to save Hoodoo. That's right. You can be a superhero. You can save Hoodoo. You alone. Not you as a group, you alone. The individual speaking, I'm using the Bob Dylan you. Uh, Catherine knows what I mean by the Bob Dylan you. You alone can help. This is like Smokey the Bear. Only you can prevent fuller's fires. Only you can keep Hoodoo from dying. And I'm going to offer you the opportunity right here, right now, for you to save Hoodoo. Puff out your chest. Feel good about yourself for a moment because here's your opportunity. Ready? Write it down. Write it down. Don't say, but I've got it in a book. Okay? No, no, no. Don't say, but I've got a book, and I got a book from this college, from this publisher, from Lucky Mojo, from uh, 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 Indigo, from anybody. Write it down. Write down what you do. Get a blank book. Get a sheaf of paper. Please Try to get a non acid based paper. Remember, we're trying to save things here. Please try to use an ink that doesn't have a high iron content in it. Remember, we're trying to save things here. Or that smears like a felt tip pen ink with uh, uh, moisture. Write it down. You don't have to write it down eloquently, you just have to write it down clearly. That's all you have to do. Just have a legible handwriting. And write it down as if you were Miss Loretta Evans of the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, trying to convey to someone else how to make anything, brownies, a killed lettuce, anything, okay? Just write it down. Hell, here's an idea. Get yourself a recipe box and write it down on a 3x5 card, even if it's not a recipe. Just write it down. There is and, and, and someone just asked a question. Troll Talhead asked a question and troll Talhead said, oh, how about typing? What about the digital age? Here's what I have to say to that. He then added, then print it out. Yes, if you then print it out, if you then print it out, okay? But if you don't print it out, then don't do that. Do not save it on the internet. Do not post it to your blog. Do not post it to a web page. Do not post it to a web group. Why? Because that's not really saving it. Because I have news for you. There are so many circumstances that can make the online stuff go poof. Did you know, this is a true story, did you know that we have a number of very intelligent people, thinkers, socially involved individuals right now, that are concerned with the idea that in the near future, audio-visual, primarily visual, record of our experiences at this point in
5: time may not
4: last into the future because they're all digital. They're all online. Okay, They're not there, meaning people are hosting them. Web pages are hosting them. And if those web pages go away, those materials go away. If blog talk radio goes away, all of my shows go away except for the ones I've saved off onto my computer. If my computer crashes and dies, then they are all gone forever. See? That's just the way that media works. So don't say I'm going to write it down and put it online, and I've saved it. You haven't. You've aided, and by all means, after you write down your 3x5 card, sure. Sure then put it on the internet, but have a physical copy someplace. Have a physical copy for this. Now, Troll also said something that I was about to come to. He said preservation society. That's something else you can do. I'm not joking. Why not start a local hoodoo preservation society? You could do that on the internet. I'm dead serious. Why don't we have a hoodoo preservation society? We need one. Okay, why don't you? I'm talking to you, the Bob Dylan you. Why don't you help start one? This is how you can keep hoodoo from dying because hoodoo dies one woman and one man at a time. All right, and that is also you. You also will go to the graveyard. None of us get out of here alive. We're all terminal patients. All right? We all have this terrible disease known as life, and it comes to an end. People say, but my kids aren't interested. Okay, but maybe your grandchildren will be. People say, my grandchildren aren't interested. Okay, but maybe your grandchildren will be. My great-grandmother, my maternal great-grandmother, ran a boarding house. And she ran a boarding house for many, many years, even after the time period of boarding houses having not been that fashionable. And she had a floor scrub. Okay? She had a floor scrub that she used to clean her house and her front step that helped bring in customers as well as her her house. I don't know what that recipe is. Oh, don't get me wrong. I know a whole – Handful I mean, I know I know half a book full of different floor scrubs, and maybe maybe my great grandmother's was one of those. you know it's not that hard to imagine, but I don't know that it was, and I don't know the proportions she used, and I don't know why she chose what she chose. it's gone, and in fact, I didn't even know this until I mean I knew she had run a boarding house. But I didn't know this until I heard it recently from my mother. So immediately I said, oh, my God, what was the recipe? And my mom said, I don't know. I was a kid. I was little. She didn't teach me. So, okay, it's gone. It's in the grave with my great-grandmother. Let, Don't let it disappear. You have the ability. You have the ability. To preserve hoodoo. You. Just like only you can prevent forest fires. All right. So right now I'm, I'm Smokey the Hoodooist. All right. I'm Smokey the Hoodooist telling you, write this down. Write this down. There is an expression in Judaism about a man who plants a tree does so not for himself that it's a holy act because – an act of compassion and an act of, uh, of charity because he's never planting a tree for himself. He's planting a tree for those who will be – who will enjoy the tree and its fruit after he is long gone. So write it down, and you can keep hoodoo from dying. Talk to people and write down what they say, and you can keep hoodoo from dying. If you know older workers, say to them, why don't you write this down? And if they say, oh, I'm too old, my hand's hurt, arthritis, say, I'll write it down for you. I'll write it down for you, and you can keep it. The problem here is there are proprietary recipes. Okay, There are proprietary recipes. There are people that make their money off of their brand of whatever they make. You can't expect them…  … to tell you. That's foolish. But they probably have it written down someplace. And you see what I'm saying? Because they're making it to sell, so they probably have it written down someplace, and they probably have arrangements made for their recipes and their instructions. You need to do that too because along the way, you have figured things out, and not all of those things are standards. Some of them are idiosyncratic. Some of them – but that doesn't mean that because they're idiosyncratic, they're not good it doesn't mean they don't work well. All right? So write it down. Tell other people. Transmit it. Otherwise, you will take it to the grave. And once again, when they're gone, someone will say, well, hoodoo is dying. Someone will say, someday when I am old and hoary and every hair on me is white and I go to my casket, There will be someone who will say, oh, Professor Porterfield's gone. Hoodoo is now
2: dying.
4: And it's ridiculous. And it'll start the cycle all up again. Here will come young people that want to know. They'll scratch and claw and work really, really hard to try to find that knowledge. And they will. And Hoodoo will live on. And the whole cycle will start up again. So do your bit. To change the cycle. Otherwise, eh, it's all just history repeating.
1: The word is about there's something moving in Whatever it may come. The world keeps revolving, they say the next big thing is that the revolution's near, but to me it seems quite clear that it's all just a little bit of history repeating. Wow.
4: Wow. Freedom to be in the know. Got it. That was, in fact, Shirley Bassey with Propellerhead doing history repeating. Holy smokes. Congratulations, Freedom to be in the know. You get a brownie. And, you know, I hope you all listen to that song because it's very, very true. And when our dear Miss Surly Bassey made that song, I am sure that she, like all of us here at the LMC Radio Network, was just trying to send out a signal.
2: What's that signal? why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air. The LMC Radio Network broadcasting around the globe, bringing news information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the Vanguard.
0: The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. Candela's Corner, starring Candela Kambisa and Michael Correll, Mondays, 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays, 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays, 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, starring Elvira Love and Phoenix Lefay, Fridays, 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays, 5 to 7. All-time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forza, California, and online at luckymojo.com.
4: Thank you, Troll Towelhead Chief Engineer here at the LMC Radio Network for that update of our shows each and every week. And we want you folks to remember that Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston and In the Streets with Beverly Smith will be back with us in September. They're on temporary hiatus, but they will be back and all through the month of August... Candelo's Corner is doing a month-long Readings on the Corner, featuring exciting and new readers each and every Monday. So check it out, and hey, call in. You might be able to get a reading. You'll love it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the LMC Radio Network would be nowhere if not for our fine sponsor. And here's a few words from our sponsor.
5: No, I, I can't. I can't. You can totally do it. You can do it. You can, I can't. Alfred, stop. Do it. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, fine. I, oh, I hate you that you did this to me. Um, 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 oh, yes, it is I, the soon-to-be Countess Goulash, here to talk to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of Fix-It. What? Oh. 6632 Cavi Road, Forestville, California. Did you know that Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit? They carry a full line of handmade spiritual soaps, uh, spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits for those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American... I can't do this. African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. I am talking about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Cavi Road and online at www... What? Oh, fine www.luckymojo.com and you can stay in your beautiful house and look through thousands upon thousands of pages of all their fantastic goods and then order them and have them brought right to your door. So remember, it's the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California and online. At www.luckymojo.com, tell 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 them Countess Goulash sent you. <laughs> I can't
2: believe that!
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my lord!
4: That was thank you, Countess Countess Gulag. Thank you so much for that. Uh, we we appreciate that and and we look forward to seeing you in your new uh, red velvet lined cape. Up next a little something I like to call
3: Divination
1: and
3: you
4: That's right, Divination and you. This week we'll be talking about scrying so all of you get your crystal balls out
1: Walked a straight and narrow line I used to think that everything was fine Sometimes I'd sit and gaze the days Through sleepless dreams All alone and trapped in time All alone and trapped in time I wonder what tomorrow has in mind for me Or am I even in its mind at all Perhaps I'll get a chance to look ahead and see Soon as I find myself a crystal ball Soon as I find myself a crystal ball but well, tell me tell me where I'm going I don't know where I've been Tell me tell me won't you tell me and then tell me again the high
4: Claimant prize goes to Troll Towelhead, the Grand Mufti of Satanism, Salam, who correctly identified that was
2: Sticks
4: with Crystal Ball and even went so far as to point out that it is off of the, cell, the same titled album, Crystal Ball. Very good, Troll Towelhead. You get. Hey, Brownie! Congratulations. And that leads us into this week's Divination and you. Tonight, this week, we're going to be talking about scrying, also known as visionary reading. Let me say, first of all, before I even set my toe into this pond, that this is a very broad subject and not one that we can completely converse about here on the show in the time that we have. So what we're going to try to do is hit the high points. First of all, scrying is an incredibly ancient form of divination and may have been practiced as early as early human times. Scrying can be done in a number of different ways and there are quite a number of different ways that scrying can be done. Scrying nowadays is often thought of as being what is known as crystal gazing or crystallomancy or reading a crystal ball and often uses exactly that, a crystal ball. If you would like to know more about such things, I encourage you to look to the works of our own friend, the Reverend John St. Germain, who has written an extraordinary book on the topic of crystals and has included some information there about crystal gazing. He is also the reverend behind the Crystal Silence League, which itself uses crystal balls. So... I would suggest you go there to learn a much more
2: in-depth
4: form and information about the subject. However, crystal gazing can also be done by gazing into a palm crystal or to a crystal point, like a raw uh, uh, quartz crystal or other crystals of different natures. However, there is also somewhat older the use of mirrors and that is known as mirror scrying there is also smoke scrying capnomancy and this is where one scries into live or moving smoke okay or you could also look into pyromancy or fire reading which we've talked about on the show before where one scries into a fire however You could also do a very, very popular and very ancient form of scrying, which is water scrying. And this is uh, scrying into water often, still, almost always still water, uh, that is in a bowl. And you see a lot of water scrying in older traditional hoodoo practices, as well as crystal ball scrying as well. And people will use different kinds of bowls for that. You have oil scrying, where oil is traditionally carefully poured or dropped onto the surface of water uh, into a bowl or cup, and its patterns are interpreted or scryed. And very popular in Northern European tradition, you have molten metal scrying. I kid you not. Me, I'm going to be staying away from that one. If anybody was going to get hurt doing molten metal scrying, it would be myself. And then finally, you also have the only kind of scrying that I'm any good at, which is ink scrying. I I am somewhat proficient with a mirror, but I can do ink scrying, but I can't really do the others. And this is, again, very much like oil scrying or water scrying in that a bowl is either filled with black ink or black ink can be floated on the surface of water in a bowl drop by drop and the, what the images and shapes interpreted or scryed into. So now that we've discussed that, and you have been shown that there is a huge variety of different kinds of scrying available, let's talk about scrying itself. Scrying is a divinational technique used primarily by psychic readers um, who are highly mediumistic and gifted in a way that enables them to receive spiritual visions, rather like dreams while awake, all right? And it is considered a form of prophecy as well as a form of spiritual root work. And we have talked about the different kinds of methods that can be done. I would like to point out to you that there are numerous traditions in the human family that involve scrying where scrying is often done by a member of the clergy of that group uh, or lay clergy of that group. So in other words, you often see scrying being done by someone who is – for lack of a better term, a, quote, priest or priestess, all right, who is somehow uh, religiously, who has been religiously initiated. And that is why I say to you that scrying very much has been considered throughout time a form of prophecy, all right? So consider that if you will. That being said, Scrying, unlike, oh, let's say, a psychometry, is not necessarily something that one cannot develop. Most people who have a psychometric skill simply have it. It is a gift. They can't really pass it on. You know what I'm saying? You can't write a book about psychometry so that somebody else can pick up the book about psychometry and suddenly become a psychometer. You kind of have it or you don't. And then once you have it, You can sharpen that skill. I I would still like Catherine Ironwood to write a book on, you know, a psychometry, but we're we're not doing that, okay. On the other hand, Scrying is a place where these two roads meet. Certainly, there is a need for a gift, but that gift can be developed. There are traditions in different cultures that can even be passed meaning it can be given, it can flow within a bloodline, a family line, or it can actually be given. That's one other person can give up their gift of scrying to another person. Sometimes at death, sometimes at the retirement from a cultural position where they're going to be the person who's going to be scrying for everybody. At the end of the day, what happens is this. By focusing on... An object or upon the surface of a substance. So, in other words, by focusing on the crystal ball, focusing on the still water, focusing on the ink, focusing on the moving smoke, focusing on the moving flame, focusing on the pouring molten metal, ye gabs, okay, etc., the reader obtains insights, visions during a divinatory trance. And that is very important to point out. Almost all scrying traditionally takes place in at least a light, quote, light or soft trance, sometimes in a much deeper trance. Some scryers see visions directly in the object or on the surface of the object. Others may see... Uh, partially obscured or leading visions or shapes that must then be interpreted. Others do not see anything but receive images in their mind as they engage in the trance state of observation of the object or the surface of object. Or liquid, metal, etc. So this means that the information that is taken in during crystal gazing comes from a psychic sense. Because of this, you will find that crystallomancy, excuse me, is sometimes considered a form of clairvoyant psychic reading. Okay? Um, but that's not necessarily correct. Now, the question then becomes, well, how do I start scrying? Well, how do I find out if I have the gift for scrying? Well, the method is both simplistic and rather complex. First of all, you will need to find an object or uh, a liquid or flame or other substance that you're going to be scrying into. Now, before I go any further, let me stop immediately and say this. You must use care. You must have care and consideration for the well-being of your sight if you are going to stare into a light source. Okay, I'm sorry. Again, earlier we talked about the fact that sometimes we have to explain to people that, how to thread a needle, okay, or how to, uh, you know, do simplistic things. So I don't feel that I'm talking down to anyone when I say this. I'm I'm saying this earnestly. Please, please, have some awareness of the fact that you are, if you're going to be scrying with fire or molten metal, okay, that you're staring into a light source, okay? This can be damaging to the eyes. You know, you're just staring at a a candle flame, all right? Well, it, it gives off exactly one candle power, Uh, in case you were wondering about that. Later on, we'll talk about BTU since we mentioned them at the top of the show. That's British Thermal Units. But So take some care and consideration for your eyes if you're going to be doing, uh, you know, scrying in a live flame. Otherwise, what you're going to do is you're going to find the object that you wish to scry with. I would love to help you and tell you this is a good object that's not a good object, except that you will find Contradictory information across the board Some people will tell you You need a perfectly clear crystal As an example with no bubbling Or other substances in it Other people will tell you No, you want something that has cracks Or flecks Or different substance in it Because that helps the mind be guided to imagery Some people will say You cannot use a personal object Like a piece of um, jewelry Other people will say, absolutely, you can use a piece of jewelry. You can use the back of a common man's pocket watch. I happen to be a common man and own a pocket watch. Our own Conjurman Ali of fame from the co-hosting the Lucky Mojo Curio, the Lucky Mojo Curio, excuse me, the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, has his very famous carnelian ring that he scries into. There's always a lot of loose strange magical prohibitions that people come up with. I would say to you that what you intelligently need to consider is that whatever you're going to scry into needs to be workable. Meaning if you're going to scry into a crystal, uh, you need to either be able to comfortably hold the crystal in your hand or the crystal needs, if it's a crystal ball, needs a holder so that it can sit at rest so while you scry, if you're going to scry into smoke, you need something that makes smoke, but not so much smoke that, you know, your eyes start tearing up and you can't breathe in the room. If you're going to scry flames, you need something that makes a steady flame, etc., etc. Obviously, if you're going to scry into water, you need, if you're going to scry still water, a bowl, and you will find people that favor a white bowl, people favor a dark bowl, et cetera. What you really need to do is try it for yourself. And realize that you are attempting to enter a, at least, soft or light trance state. This is where scrying also enters with medianism. And how often have we seen the mediumistic, you know, little old lady holding the seance and she's got a a crystal ball in front of her and she's running her fingers across the crystal ball while she's trying to summon a spirit of the dead. Um, because this comes into this, you are trying to engage in
5: at least light
4: trance, and because of that medianistic to scrying, many people will call upon a particular spiritual power that aids. In the answering of questions or aids in the giving of visions or aids in the blind seeing, etc. So that is something to consider. So, what you will need is you will need, again, something to scry into. It should be something you feel comfortable with. It shouldn't be something that jars you, okay? Let's not try to scry into scary marble masks. It should be something that you can contain and use easily without too much exertion on your body, again, which would bring you out of the trance. And it should be done in a place where you can be quiet. Where you are can be quiet and you can be at rest, at ease so that you can enter a trance state. Now, because of all of that, you will find it helpful to have a partner. Many, not all, but many scryers find it helpful. And again, this goes back to ancient tradition, where they will have someone with them that writes down what they utter, what they speak, what they say, while they scry, and they are in at least this soft or light trance or sleep-like state, You know, this light – I suppose we could very fancily say this uh, semi-liminal place. I wouldn't say that even though I just did. Uh, Miss Catherine Ironwood also points out to us that the use of smoke of mere and marijuana when scrying in smoke is very good. So there you go. That's scrying. It's a huge subject. Like I said, it's really not a subject that we could completely discuss because there are so many different forms of it, and you will find many different uses for it. So I hope that this week you will go out. There is abundant information about it. There's just tons written about mirror scrying just as one topic, and you actually will find a lot of traditional ye old time magicians and sorcerers who had a mirror that they would scry into. So take some time this week and learn a bit about it. Get yourself something to scry in or make yourself something you can scry in. You could make a mirror. You absolutely could make a mirror. In fact, the only mirror I've ever been able to scry in is a mirror that I made myself. Um, And so you can do that and learn a little bit about it try it out see what you think and let us know here at the now you know show we'd love to hear your story up next we're going to go into the kitchen where we're going to be talking about lavender all kinds of lavender blue green purple oh yeah all the color oh oh yeah yeah definitely blue definitely (laughs) i <laughs> That's right, Sammy Turner with Lavender Blue. And it comes to, we bring it along because it takes us into our In the Kitchen segment where tonight we are going to be discussing none other than Lavender. Lavendula, commonly known as Lavender, is a genus of 39, 39, known species of flowering plants in the mint family. It's a native to the Old World and is found from as far as from Cape Verde to the Canary Islands, Europe across the north to the northern and eastern, uh, uh, excuse me, Europe across to northern and eastern Africa, the Mediterranean, Southwest Asia to Southeast India. And many members of the genus are cultivated exclusively in temperate climates as ornamental plants for garden and landscape use or use as culinary herbs and also commercially for the extraction of essential oils. The most widely cultivated species is lavandula, I'm going to completely say this wrong, angus folia, and is often referred to as lavender. And of course, there is a color named for the shade of the flowers of this species. So there's a little bit about lavender that you might not have known so far. Lavender flowers because they are a very sweet-smelling herb, are used by a good number of people in root work and hoodoo for the purpose of bringing good luck in love affairs. They are also, lavender is also used for a large, I mean, you will find it greatly, greatly used in the matter of love for homosexual men. That has then moved on to also include lesbians and transsexuals, etc. But it was originally used for not only heterosexual love, but also homosexual love. Part of that arises out of the fact That in slang language, homosexual men, uh, one of the coded ways of saying this, we used to be that one said that uh, a man was, quote, a little lavender. He was a little lavender. All right. Making probably more reference to the color than the flower. Uh, And this had to do with style of dress and the exhibition of color, which was seen as being feminine at that point in time rather than masculine. So, what about some ways that lavender can be used? Well, lavender can be used as a bosom sachet for love. To win the love you desire, wear a sachet filled with lavender flowers at your bosom. This is a, uh, this is very, very strong for drawing love. From members of the same sex as well as from the opposite sex for a married couple to enhance satisfying sexual relations mix lavender flowers with rose buds or rose petals and place them beneath the bed underneath the bed a tea of lavender rose and rosemary added floor wash is said to grant the woman leadership in love relations within her home. Okay? You can also use lavender to bring peace to the home and faithfulness to the marriage by dressing a whole angelica root with peaceful home oil and then adding a pinch of lavender and a small family photograph and carry the three items together in a blue flannel bag or place them somewhere under the bed. And that would be to help to bring peace to a home and faithfulness to a marriage. Now, let's address that other issue that we talked about. Let's address A very popular product. And we don't often do this, but we're going to do it tonight. Uh, We've done it a few other times, but we're going to do it tonight. Lavender Love Drops. All right. Lavender Love Drops is a hoodoo formula for oil, incense, sachet powder, and washing products that is used in love spells that are designed to draw a lover of the same sex closer. And Lavender Love Drops, therefore, belongs to kind of a family of of formulas, such as Follow Me Boy, Come To Me, Bewitching, Marriage, Cleo May, Dixie Love, Look Me Over, Fire of Love, but also Q. And do you know the secret of what the Q stands for? Well, if not then you'll have to wait till I talk about Q oil on the show, or you could buy a copy of The Sporting Life, or you could go to Lucky Mojo and buy a bottle, or you could just wait until right about now when I tell you that the Q stood for queer. And so it is also another formula, again, being used for same-sex love. I have to tell you that Lavender Love Drops is an absolutely wonderful product and if you are in a situation where you need to have same-sex love drawing for yourself or for a client then i encourage you to look at lavender love drops and q oil uh, as well as their related products incense etc so there's a little bit about uh, about lavender. I would also like to point out that the original recipe for lavender love drops was developed by none other, none other than our own fine friend Deacon Millette, a fantastic member of Air, a wonderful worker, and an expert in all love and reconciliation matters. And you can check him out. Don't let anybody tell you that it's a an ord
2: chemi- yeah, the Lavender Love Drops, they had that back 1907. I remember I got my first bottle of Lavender Love Drops. No, 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 no,
4: no, no, no. Deacon Millett is is, is not nearly that old. Uh, he's, he's a very handsome man in the prime of his life. He was, he was not around in 1906. So there you go, folks. Now you know a little bit about Lavender. I hope that you will take some time this week to go out and take a look at lavender. Now I'm going to be honest with you. I have no doubt that you will, and here's why. Lavender is incredibly popular. Oh my God, everybody loves lavender. That doesn't mean it's not good. That doesn't mean it doesn't work. In fact, it probably works because, I mean, probably is so popular because it works so well. Also, it's a very, very common plant, as we talked about, it's spread everywhere. It's easy to grow and it's easy to obtain. But I have to tell you that people adore lavender, not just in Hoodoo and rootwork, in a lot of the other, uh, uh, oh, a lot of the other magical practices. Particularly modern-day neo-paganism, people love lavender. So I got to tell you honestly how I feel about that. And this is how I honestly feel about that. When I was a kid, there was this thing against patchouli. You still see a lot of it. There are lots of people that are just
5: like, oh my God, why do you wear patchouli? Why don't you take a bath instead of just putting patchouli on.
4: Okay, well, fuck you. Okay, I had a bath and then I put patchouli on. All right, because they don't like the smell of patchouli because everybody wore, wore patchouli. Okay, it was like, you know the number one hippie scent of you know the decade was patchouli. And so a lot of people kind of got that attitude about patchouli. Me, I still love it. I grew up with it. I adore patchouli. But I feel that way about lavender. This kind of goes back to our early statement here where we're talking about how everybody has their own perspective in the heyday of hoodoo and all that. Man, I am so sick and tired of everybody smelling like lavender. Okay, And it's a beautiful scent. I love the flower, and it's lo- it's lovely to work with, and it's not at all – it's nice to even burn. I mean it's a, it's a lovely plant. And yet could y'all stop smelling like lavender all the damn time because, you know, y'all wearing lavender behind your ears. All y'all's underwear smell like lavender. Your shampoo smells like lavender. The smoke soap smells because it's related to aromatherapy. I like to just lay in a tub of lavender. You know, it's like, okay, fine. Why don't you just, let's pick something else, okay? I mean, let's just move on to to something, okay? Seriously. I mean, y'all smell like lavender too much for my book. And again, I ain't anti-lavender. I'm all in favor of lavender. Mazel lavender. That's just what I wanted to say to you all. I think y'all have gone a little lavender crazy. That's all I'm saying. Maybe you could try a little patchouli. Why don't we mix some patchouli and lavender together? I'm not even sure how that would come out. I'll leave that to the the more knowledgeable noses in the room. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> okay, but eh, uh, it's too much for me. Uh, I mean, you would think none of you all is in love. That's just where I'm coming from. You would. I mean, I understand love work's a major component. Okay, and I understand that there's. Listen, you know, if you're doing love work, you've always got a market. And yet. Y'all must be having some serious love problems because y'all smell like lavender all the time. All right. So there you go. Just, just think on it. Just, just go think on, or just chuckle to yourself and go, Oh, he rants so well. I just love it when he goes on one of these terrors about nothing in particular. Well, folks, it's been an exciting show. We got to hear about the alpaca sheep scandal. I didn't see that one coming. Um, And if you were here late, go back and listen in the archives Our own Phil Patchy Fogg blew the lid of a very serious issue uh, here in our little part of North Texas with the selling of of fake sheep, the selling of fake sheep that are actually alpacas. And uh, we got very exciting news. I am so very pleased to have heard it and had it announced on the show that our own Miss Loretta Evans will in a few months uh, no longer be Miss Loretta Athens, um but will in fact be Miss Loretta Newberg. So I, I don't know if I was supposed to let out that Alfred Newberg is the you know the real life name of Count Goulash. Um so she will be the new Countess Goulash and, and, and what a you know what? I think that if she loves us, and I think she does love us, if she loves us, I think that after the marriage and after the lovely honeymoon, wherever it's going to be, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, I don't know, and she comes back to the show, I, I think she needs to bring us a goulash recipe since she will be the new Countess Goulash. Don't you? Don't you think she needs to bring us, uh, you know? Uh, as the you know and 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 troll spelled it right by the way, troll spelled it correctly. Um, don't you think she should bring us a goulash recipe when she's the new countess Goulash? So we got to hear that fantastic news. We talked a little bit about scrying. go out and take a look at it seriously, and we talked about lavender and before I go, this is what I want to say whether you Consider that I used the slightly more negative Bob Dylan, you, or the slightly more positive Smokey the Bear, you. I, again, encourage you to do your part to save Hoodoo by writing it down. Even if you write it down, Lock it in a box and write on it, do not open until my death, okay? You will have done something to preserve this art, this craft, this science, and this practice that we participate in known as hoodoo. Well, that's it, folks. Everybody else is gone. Johnny wasn't actually in tonight. Uh, He had a minor situation with his cats, but I'm told that they're all well and good and fine. And uh, Phil, Patchy Fog, and uh, Wink, and the rest of the news team have already left. Uh, I think they were going bowling is what I heard. I can't bowl worth a damn, so they don't have me on the team because I bowl. You know, an average game for me is like, you know, I don't know. 7,000 points, and, um, and, uh, <laughs> Count Goulash and Miss Loretta done skedaddled. It's just me. I mean, this is it. This is,
2: this is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. And go to Texas Cattle and double back to Pulwat. I'm on down to Dallas, Tinkong Kitty. I'm into the territory in Kansas City and Kansas City, and Cinemas,
1: Chicago. I'm on my own.
2: Oh, Wagner, also Kansas, Kansas City. So,
1: dear you, then I changed cars
2: and jumped in.